the NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at winbet.com, W-Y-N-N-Bet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you by Roman. Roman is the straightforward way to take care of your ED. Just head to getroman.com slash SGP for $15 off your first month. That's getroman.com slash SGP. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is home to the Best Ball Mania 2 contest where you can win $1 million. That's right, guys, $1 million. Sign up now at underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. We're also brought to you by Odds Jam. Odds Jam is the betting tool every sharp better needs bring you the latest prices and presenting the best betting opportunities dominate the marketplace with odds jam use promo code sgp and get five percent off sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds jam okay and welcome everyone to a regular season recap, betting awards show, and play-in game preview edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast. It is Monday, May 17th, 11.04 a.m. on the East Coast. I'm your host, ZB, joined by two guests today. we got a three-man show. we got Dan Titus. Dan, what up, Dan? What up? What up, ZB? How's it going, man? Great. Good to have you. And we got Munaf as well, of course. Finally, Muna, it's a home game for Munaf. We're using his Zoom software today. So, Munaf, how you feeling? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing well, man. I usually uh, I use the the Zoom for uh, our our MLB gambling podcast. So it's a uh, it's good to good to be here, man. I, I know this is our second show together, but what better time to uh, have the three of us on? You know, end of the season, play in tournament, playoffs, man. I'm excited, man. I don't know about you guys, but I, I'm excited. Yeah, very excited. There was a, a lot uh, to get to in terms of seedings coming together, but it came together pretty well for some teams, less so for others. The Milwaukee Bucks may have earned themselves the hardest road to the championship of any team in the NBA by beating the Heat. So let's get right into it. The plan for today's show, we're going to recap the weekend, some of what happened, look into some of those seedings and how they played out. Then we are going to get to the awards, the betting awards show for the season. So instead of the typical MVP and rookie of the year, we have a few fun uh, categories that we came up with that we're going to get to as a kind of way to recap some of the betting angles for this season. And then at the end of the show, we're going to look ahead to some of these play-in games where lines are already up, obviously, for the first games in each conference. And then the later games, the, the second elimination game, we'll get lines for those later in the week, and we'll have shows breaking those down as well. So let's get right into it. Uh, Moon, if we can start with you, where do you want to start? We can start in the east or the west. Uh, what are you thinking? Um, let, let's start in the east. I think it's a little more uh, a little more easier to break that side down than uh, the Western Conference. Yeah, all right, so let's start. Let's start in the east, where we uh, the, the Sixers have clinched the one seed. The Nets now came in at two. The Bucks are at three. The Knicks obviously survived, got the four. They will face the Hawks in the first round in the four five. Then we have the Miami Heat at six and the Celtics, Wizards, Pacers, and Hornets in the playing game. So, Moon, if I'll take it right to you, I mean, what do you want to talk about from the East and kind of how this stuff played out? Obviously, the Knicks, it worked out well for them, less so for the Bucks. 
Yeah, I think that was a storyline, right? In the in the Eastern Conference was the New York Knicks taking care of business over the weekend, and um, you know they they're they're into what that four seed now. So um, that Atlanta and New York series is going to be one heck of a series, man. I mean, you take a look at the defensive mindset of the New York Knicks. And I know we're going to break this down later, but, um, and go to go up against Atlanta, you know, a team that has great shooters and the offensive capabilities. Um, you know, I'm excited to have, like I've mentioned with you and Dan is I'm excited to just have New York back in the playoffs, but for them to be a four C that that's, that was crazy to me. And, uh, you know, uh, like I said, glad for New York to be back in the playoffs. Yeah, then and they obviously survived that game against Boston. Now, you guys got a chance to watch that? Crazy, absolutely <laughs> crazy game, man. Uh, I'm just surprised that you know at this point, I was surprised they pulled that out. But obviously, it's it's a they're they're, they're seeing their their playoff hopes almost. I mean, their seating was in their hands and they took care of business. But ultimately, it was. I think it's going to be something we're going to see in the playing tournament too, man. Like I, I don't know if I can totally trust it. Um, but we'll see how this is going to transpire. But, you know, off of that, you know, I think that the, the Boston Washington game is going to be quite interesting today. Uh, both teams, Washington covered both times they played this game and it was six and a half. They were six and a half point dogs in both games. I, I, I don't know, man. It's just so hard for me to trust Boston right now that I, I love the way Washington's been playing. We saw Bradley Beal go for 25 last night in his return, just, Myth the scoring title. Shout out to Steph Curry. He, I know he was gonna. We're gonna talk about that later, but I know he yeah. was a very profitable bet for us this year um, on his overs. But yeah, I, I kind of wonder about this game, and I'm, I'm leaning towards Washington here just based off of the strength of how they've played as of late. And Russell Westbrook, man, I just think he's a dog right now. And uh, after notching his another triple double for the season watching the Washington team just ascend up the Eastern conference after being completely trashed for the first half of the season. I think it's been one of the better stories actually. Yeah. If, if I'm Brooklyn, I definitely would rather have Boston win that first, that first matchup. Now Boston did rest everyone against the Knicks, so they should be ready to everyone. go. The wizards kind of had to right. push a little bit harder and obviously Bradley Beal's hamstring will be a major part of, of handicapping that game and kind of seeing where, where he's at in terms of his health and availability. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're Brooklyn, I think you probably would rather play Boston um, right now, just the way the way both teams are playing and kind of the, the lack of firepower after the Jalen Brown injury. Um, yeah. I did want to ask you guys, I mean, so just from a philosophy perspective, the Milwaukee Bucks, they obviously chose the route of kind of, you know, okay, we're not going to manipulate the seating. We're not going to play games. We're just going to go out there and play every night. They end up beating the Miami Heat on Saturday night, which put them with this very difficult path where they have to go potentially Miami, Brooklyn, and Philly, beating the other three best teams in the conference to get to the finals. So where do you guys kind of stand on that philosophy? We saw the Clippers kind of just blatantly play the games, um, and Milwaukee didn't. It worked out for the Clippers in terms of seeding, but you know there also is that confidence element. So where do you guys kind of fall on that debate? Moonaf, I'll start with you. I think Brooke, I mean, sorry, Milwaukee really didn't have a choice, like as far as where they were in, in the standings, right? Um, obviously, the battle was between Brooklyn and uh, Milwaukee. And I think Milwaukee took both of those games against Brooklyn when they played earlier, I think a couple of weeks back. So um, it, I, I, for Brooklyn, I don't think it was much of a destiny of where they were going to end up as far as playoff seeding because 
of just how that one through three was kind of stacking up. We knew that Philly was going to lock up that number one seed. And then Brooklyn, you know, came, came out last week and then over the weekend won both of their games. So, um, and there was a huge separation between the three seed and the four seed is about now at the final standings, about five games. So let me just jump in here. I, I was actually saying, cause on Saturday night, the bucks had the opportunity to lose to Miami and that would allow Miami to go into the four or five and keep okay. the Knicks at six. So by be, by trying in that game and beating Miami, Milwaukee gave themselves Miami in the first round, whereas they could have had New York at six if they let Miami win that game. I think the mindset for Brook or sorry for Milwaukee was that they probably want Miami because they beat them in the uh, playoff okay. series last year, right? So I think that's the mentality, and I think that Milwaukee has a team this year where they can beat the Miami Heat in the first round of the series. So I either picked up Drew Holiday, P.J. Tucker, you know, guys that we've been talking about all season after the trade deadline, especially with P.J. Tucker. So they have the dogs on defense and the shooters to to beat this Miami team. And like I said, Milwaukee gets hot from the three-point line. Um, you know, th- th- that series against Miami may be a quick one for Milwaukee, but I think that's one of the more intriguing series in the first round. Yeah, definitely yeah, the premier be- series. Yeah, I, I'm I'm curious about it because the teams it's hard to get a real barometer of how the Bucks are going to play against the fully the fully uh, mostly fully healthy will will we'll slide off for Victor Oladipo. He never really had a chance to get going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But these team these two teams played back to back um back in December and Miami scored 100 or excuse me uh Milwaukee blew them out 144-97 and they played them again 119-108. Miami got the win. So in the last game, I don't, I don't know that we saw, you know, the full Miami, what Miami really has to offer. So to me, this is like a clean slate. And to your point, ZB, I think that they did themselves a disservice by waiting. But I mean, I think that they should have lost this game, go up against the Knicks. Cause I think that that's a, a less battle tested playoff team. And yeah. for me, it's more about, the playoffs are about experience and veteran leadership. And you can't discount Derek Rose, obviously is a really good piece to that New York team, but it's all in the strength of Julius Randall is RJ Barrett going to take that next leap. I don't know that I can buy into that quite yet, despite their success in the regular season. I'm concerned going up against a Jimmy Butler has been surging over the course of the last two months. Bam out is playing with a chip on his shoulder saying he wants to be defensive player of the year. And Kendrick Nunn's been playing really well. There's, their role players are ready to go. They went through the bubble last year. Obviously, one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. This is the wrong team to face at the right time. And I think Milwaukee definitely is going to... I think it's going to be a, a more difficult series than they might be. They might have expected when they beat them on Saturday. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree, I think. I mean, Miami fans that I know are coming in confident, right? They, they expect to win this series. And that's kind of the mentality that they had last year in the playoffs, and I think that'll carry into this year. Obviously, look, the Bucks made improvements, and we're going to see those right away. I mean, they really have no they have no ramp up in, the, in these playoffs, whereas, you know, if you're Philly and Brooklyn, you most likely can kind of chill in that first series. Um, Milwaukee does not have that, that ability to, uh, to do so. Um, couple other things wanted to bring up in the east i mean how concerned are we about brooklyn i know munaf you you have not been concerned all year but now we are in the playoffs and these guys played what like you know eight or nine total games together didn't even yeah. get really that many minutes over the weekend when they were supposed to so it does feel a little weird we know nothing about this team i mean they're just so unfamiliar but um 
obviously the talent's there. So what's kind of your guys' level of, of concern or, or belief in what the Nets can do in the playoffs? Dan, I'll start with you. Yeah, I, I'm still, you know, obviously that play last night showed what their potential could be. You know, you got Blake Griffin throwing no look behind the back mm-hmm. passes <laughs> and uh, Shio's are throwing it off the backboard to Durant. I mean, it was a great play. I can't even stunt. I'm not worried about this team until they get to the Eastern conference finals. Now their path isn't as, I feel like them and the Sixers actually both have a pretty decent path to be honest. Like I think it's going to be those two. If the Sixers play, I mean, this is me being a Stan again, but you know, I think that they could play well enough to get to the Eastern conference finals. I think they match up the best against the the nets, mainly because of their ability to uh, play off the ball and play very aggressive defense. The Knicks also play very aggressive defense. So, one of the teams that I thought that the, the Brooklyn Nets could find trouble with would be the Knicks uh, because they play that scrappy, gritty type of basketball. Whereas, I don't know, the, the Bucks don't really scare me. Um, the Heat, I think, would also pose a decent threat. Um, I think the same thing I would think to the Sixers as well. But ultimately, I think it's going to be Brooklyn coming out of the East. It's just a matter of are they going to get the – if they get the Sixers, I think that's going to be their toughest matchup at the Eastern Conference Finals, mainly because that team hasn't had a lot of time to gel. But at the same time, the offensive threats that they have, it's just, it's too much to overcome. If you take off, if you take out one guy, phase out one guy, it's hard to phase out Kyrie Irving. No one does that, right? Like, especially playoff Kyrie, like he's a different animal. We don't know what James Harden really is. I think he's the, he's the enigma to me. That's like, is he going to take that next step? We've seen him get tired previously in the playoffs, um, we've seen, I mean, I think Chris Paul really led them, the Houston Rockets that one that a uh, couple seasons, a few seasons ago, um, to that seventh grade. If, if he played in that game, Houston would have won that series. Yeah. And it, off of that, like, can James Harden step up if he's needed to? That's my question. Uh, I, I, going back to your question, Zach, about Brooklyn Nets, uh, I'm not worried because I think they're, this first round of series is going to give them that kind of experience that these three guys need. Um, that, you know, they have only played what 10 games together this season, including the one on the weekend. So I think this, yeah. for this first round, it's going to be their Boston or, um, the Washington wizards. I think, I know I haven't even looked at the, yeah, what the yeah, Boston or Washington. But, yeah, yeah, you're so, right. Yeah. So regardless of like whoever they play, I think it's going to be an easy, um, easy, you know, sweep for, for the Brooklyn Nets. So I think those four games are going to give them even more experience together. So, you know, like I'm going off of what Dan said is that they'll the biggest competition will be the Philadelphia 76ers if they get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, you know, I think that Brooklyn uh, and Milwaukee second round series is going to be very intriguing. I think that's a series that can go six or seven games easily. Um, but as far as just kind of zooming out and just looking at the Brooklyn Nets, I mean, when you have the firepower of James Harden and, and Kevin Durant and uh, Kyrie Irving, and some of their role players are, are pretty good too. So, you know, I'm not too worried about this Brooklyn team. And just kind of going back to James Harden, you know, when he was with the Rockets, he kind of didn't have that second superstar until Chris Paul was there. And like Dan said, that Chris Paul really kind of led that offense and let James Harden be the scorer that he is. And James Harden prior to Chris Paul, when he was in the playoffs, really had to take on that scoring load and, and really taking this team to either the second round or the third round. And, now, when he's on this Brooklyn Nets team, he has Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, so that being tired factor is not going to really be there for James Harden because he can, you know, 
he can dish the ball out to Kyrie and let him do his thing and give it to Durant and let him do his thing. So um, I think this Brooklyn Nets team is going to be fine. I think they will get to the Eastern Conference Finals at, at, at minimum. Yeah, I think they'll be fine too. I think, you know, to kind of <clears throat> wrap this up a little bit, my concerns are, one, their MO all year has kind of been messing with the rotations and super democratic in terms of minutes. Now it's time to like pick the rotation and who's in and who's out. You know, I, I'm sure Steve Nash and Mike D'Antoni have their ideas of what that's going to be, but their MO all year has been, oh, new starting lineup, you yeah. know, new guys playing. This guy plays 30 minutes one game, then DNPs the next game. Now they have to find some consistency in the rotation. And the other concern I have is it's go time for this big three and they have to figure out their own hierarchy. And it, it, I, I remember in that Milwaukee back-to-back, Munaf, we were talking about how the Brooklyn Nets lost that game. And they were clapping as they walked off the floor, right? Because they felt like, okay, we're good. You know, we 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 some shots didn't fall, but we're good. You yeah. know, you don't you don't have that same luxury in the playoffs, right? So right. there will be animosity if it's you know Kyrie Irving taking the last shot and Kevin Durant or James Harden thinks that's their shot. So we don't know what the dynamic is between the big three. I think they seem like they're very close, you know, great friends, and they want to be together. So they they chose this destiny, but they do still they will face that time where it's not it it is do or die, um, and you have to pick who who's going to get that that field goal attempt. For the Sixers, uh, they definitely lucked out, I think, with their bracket. I mean, with Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and Philly on the other side of the bracket, they should basically walk to the conference finals. Yeah. Um, so that will be good for them. Anything else in the Eastern Conference, or should we take a quick break and then move over to the West? I, I think the last thing for me for this this play in tournament, I think if you kind of look at those four teams, I think the Wizards are the best team out of those four teams. I mean, Boston. I mean, we we I'm going to get to them in a in a little bit, but um, Indiana not sold on. We talked about how they had their coaching problems in the Charlotte. I don't think they'll have an ex- enough experience to kind of get into the playoffs you know, as a seed. So I think Washington is probably that best team for me in those, those four teams that are in the playing tournament. Yeah. I, I just to, to cap it, I, I don't think the Pacers, the, any of those bottom four teams, they're not going to go anywhere. This is going to be a first round exit for all of them. And then we'll see the, the meat of the, the Eastern conference really in the second round where it's ultimately going to be, can the Sixers not fold and flop and are the Brooklyn Nets going to be legit and, you know, the odds on favorites as they should have been with that big three to take it to the, to the Eastern conference finals. Yeah. And I will say as a Nick fan, my bold prediction for the Eastern conference is that RJ Barrett is going to lock up Trey young in the first round. I, I think that is going to be an adjustment that Tibbs makes and RJ Barrett as a two way superstar becomes more of a thing uh, this season. Let's take a quick break here from some of our sponsors here and we'll come back with the Western conference. Today's episode of the NBA Gambling Podcast presented by WinBet. WinBet is bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports games with generous promos, odds, and parlays happening right now at WinBet. Get started today and you'll receive a special offer of up to $500 risk-free sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at winbet.com, W-Y-N-N-Bet.com, and download the app today. Already got the odds for the playing games up at WinBet, so make sure you get over there today. Remember, get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. All right, guys, coming back off the break, absolutely crazy day in the West yesterday with the Clippers finding a way to lose to the Houston Rockets, sorry, Munaf, and the OKC Thunder. 
it did hurt the Thunder. They kind of fell a little bit in the tanking standings. The Rockets still have that number one uh, lottery odds. But we have the Utah Jazz, the one seed, the Phoenix Suns as the two seed. Denver comes up to three. Clippers at four. Mavs at five. Blazers at six. So we get Nuggets, Blazers, and Clippers, Mavs are the two series we know. In the play-in game, the Lakers at seven. They will post the Golden State Warriors on Wednesday night. That's going to be absolutely awesome. And the Grizzlies and the Spurs rounding out the nine and the ten. So let's take it right here with the series that we know, Nuggets, Blazers, and Clippers, Mavericks. What was your guys' kind of impression of the Clippers tanking to face Dallas, um, try to avoid the Lakers, but they also avoid the Blazers in the process. And now the Nuggets, um, they match up with the Blazers. They had a great playoff series a couple of years ago. So, Dan, what are your kind of your early impressions of how the West shook out yesterday? I love the way that I thought the West played it perfectly. If I'm the Clippers, I want the Mavericks in the first round, mainly because they, I don't trust. I mean, I just don't. It's going to be Luka versus the world here. And I think that's a great position for Paul George, who we can't forget. He know he, he he's not going to let down that pandemic P label unless he gets through these first couple rounds of the playoffs. So I think we're going to see an inspired. We've watched Ka- Ka- Kawhi Leonard sit over the last probably three weeks of the season, two, three weeks of the season. I think they're going to face a juggernaut. And as a tune-up series, I think I want somebody like the Mavs who's going to pose less of a threat. I think um, this is going to be a pretty I, – I, I don't have much confidence in Dallas. Like their yep. pace of play, their defense as of, as of late has been improved. But – without a, a fully healthy Kristaps Porzingis to really help shoulder some of that load for Luka, I think the, 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 the Clippers are definitely going to have their way with the Mavericks. And I think it was stellar play by them. They did the right thing. This is the right team to play. Muna, how about you? Yeah, I think what the Milwaukee Bucks should have done in the East is what the Clippers did in the West by sliding down and now matching up with Dallas in the first round. And we've both you know, talked about on, on our podcast with you, Dan and Zach is that Dallas is a team of shooters and they don't have a playmaker outside of Luca. I think Jalen Brunson is that second guy for them, but how much is Jalen Brunson going to be a contributing factor when you're going up against a Clippers team that has great number one, great defensive players and two superstar players on your team. The one thing I cannot wait for is that when those game one lines post for the Clippers and the Mavericks, I am going to be pounding Paul George's points prop because like you just mentioned, playoff P was something from last season that translated into the beginning of the season. And we've seen how he's played throughout the season. He's been really, really good for the, for the, sorry, for the, for the Clippers. So that game one is going to be a really telling factor of how much of what happened last season in the bubble for Paul George is going to be on his mind and how he wants to perform in the first round of the playoffs, at least. Um, and I know we'll, we'll get more into depth when we preview the Western conference, um, you know, later in this week, but just, just a tease for me for that, that three, six matches between the Denver nuggets and the Portland trailblazers. I cannot wait to see what that series price comes out to, because I will be pounding the Portland trailblazers to beat the Denver nuggets in that first round. I mean, I yeah, I think the that is going to be pretty close to a pick'em, honestly. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I I think that Denver with the loss of fire firepower, I don't hate the matchup for them just because Portland can struggle in the defensive end, and that's where mm. the Nuggets have struggled to score at times without Jamal Murray. It should kind of make it a little bit easier. Uh, Portland really, I think, doesn't have a good matchup for Jokic or MPJ, so 
that'll be an interesting, really interesting series. I think, yeah, I think the Blazers, you could argue, should even be favored in that series just because of the firepower they bring on the perimeter. So we will definitely get to that. Um, Utah did well to lock up the number one seed. They obviously had to win yesterday, and they did. So I think everything is kind of settled, but I think the one kind of red herring in this conference is what happens if the Warriors win that playing game against the Lakers and put the Lakers in the eighth seed? I saw that number open at seven. I'm, I'm going to be jumping all over the Warriors if that, if that, if that yeah. is the number as we return to that. We will get to that handicap in a little, but you know, how do you guys kind of make out this, uh, this play in series? Is it a lock that Lakers and Warriors get in or can the Grizzlies kind of, uh, you know, w- wiggle their way in there. Maybe the Grizzlies did show well against the Warriors. I thought Dylan Brooks really did an admirable job on Steph Curry and kind yeah. of forced him to be inefficient. So how do you guys kind of make out the uh, the play in here and um, do any of these teams have a chance to make any noise or upset Utah or Phoenix? I mean, how much confidence do we really have in the Lakers right now? LeBron seemed to sprain his ankle again. He shook it off and said it was nothing. But, I mean, I think that they could – I think the Lakers are going to secure a spot. The question for me is Memphis. Can they play spoiler? And yeah, and that, that game is going to be the Wednesday game is going to be so important and, and so much, so much fun to watch. I just don't know that the Warriors have the front court depth to be able to last through two games. Potentially. Um, I think the Lakers are going to beat them on Wednesday. It's just a matter. Can Steph Curry will the Warriors even further. Like, I just don't know that I have enough confidence in their supporting cast to do so. It's been great. It's been amazing what he's been able to do, leading the league in scoring, taking the Warriors, which were pretty much a hapless team destined for non-playoff hopes, giving them a chance and a shot to get there. But the, Wiggins is too inconsistent. Draymond Green isn't really a threat on offense, although he's one of the best screeners in the game and still a menace on, on a, the defensive end. I actually have more faith in the Memphis Grizzlies here. Their team, they have a really deep rotation, which I think they're going to have to tighten up a little bit as we get to the playoffs here. But I think that they at least have bodies that they can throw at either team that at least play, that they'll at least play competitive defense enough to stifle a Warriors onslaught. Because, I mean, worst case, you could just throw a double team at Steph and let everybody else beat you like at this stage in the game. Right. So I don't know. I just have more faith in teams that have the depth in the front court, both of them, AD Marcus Saul, Valachunas, Brandon Clark, et cetera. I think that that's going to play a bigger factor here as we're getting down to the wire here and in, in playing playoff basketball. I think for the Lakers, um, I think obviously they'll get in when you have LeBron, James, Anthony Davis in a, in a championship roster, yeah. right? They won last season, but I'm still saying my prediction that they're going to be bounced in the first round, regardless of who they play. Wow. Yeah. I'm still standing by that. And, and I think the excuses that already started before the season for the yeah. Lakers was that LeBron was saying, Hey, that they wanted to start MLK weekend that needed some extra days off. And then we heard about his comments of the play in tournament and how whoever made it up should be fired. But a year prior, he said it was a great idea. And now that they have to play a couple extra games or an extra game and not have that rest, I, I think those are excuses that are starting to pile up. Um, obviously, I, I think um, with the Warriors, I think Dan hit the nail on the head, is that they're going to have to have somebody else step up. I know we know Steph Curry's going to do Steph Curry things because against their their last the game yesterday, he played like it was a playoff game for them, and it kind of sort of was. <clears throat> so they're going to need somebody else, whether it's Andrew Wiggins, 
whether it's the emergence of Jordan Poole, they're going to need guys to knock down shots for them. And I think, let's be honest, I, I think that we want to see Steph Curry in the playoffs rather than Memphis right now. I mean, I know we have John Moran and all that sort of land, but I think as, as, as NBA fans, we want Steph Curry in the playoffs because of what this guy is capable every single night. So, um, but I, yeah, the, the, what, what Dan said about their lack of interior presence may catch up with them because the Lakers have two dominant guys inside with Andre Drummond and Anthony Davis. And then you take a look at the Memphis Grizzlies with Valanchunas and they have triple J back. Also um, the question for me for Memphis is that, are they going to be able to knock down their three point shots? Um, because they don't have great shooters outside of Grayson Allen. We've talked about John Moran, not having a consistent jump shot that he has to get to the basket to create his points. Um, that's going to be the one concern. But <clears throat> again, this Lakers and Warriors game, that play-in tournament game is going to be an absolutely fantastic game to watch. And then uh, I'm, I'm hoping that the Golden State Warriors find a way to get into the playoffs because I want to see Steph Curry in these playoffs. Yeah, I will. I'm excited for the disagreement we have here because I, I still think the Lakers are the favorite in the West. Um, potentially even the overwhelming Ooh. favorite along, along with the Clippers. So, you know, yeah. I, I, I think you're seeing the entire LeBron James media apparatus is lining up to support the narrative that this is going to be the hardest title ever and that, you know, their road is so difficult. They're playing through the injuries. We had Jared Dudley last night. Shout out Jared Dudley, one of my favorite players, post game saying, <laughs> if saying that this will be the hardest title anyone has ever won if they make this, if they make it through the West from the play in game up until, you know, going into, you know, Phoenix or Utah. So I still make the Lakers my favorite to come out of the West. Um, and, and the Clippers right there with them. I, I, I haven't really changed off that that much uh, so far this year. So, Final thoughts. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, I was going to say real quick, the way you described what's probably going to transpire, like that just seems like that seems like the formula. Like he's already stacking the deck of like, yeah. okay. But like part of me though is like, I, I tend, I'm leaning towards Manafi. Like I don't know about a first round exit. That's a bit bold for me, but I don't see them beating the clip. If this is going to be a Clippers Lakers eventual um, matchup, I think the Clippers have the edge here, but there is a, the Clippers don't have, they have, they also have some deficiencies. Like they don't have a true point guard right now. Um, they'll figure that out, but they, they're, they're amazing shooting at the three ball, but it's going to come down to defense and experience. And you really can't discount the Lakers for that fact. I just don't know if they're healthy enough and played enough that they can't get bounced in seven games, but seven game series, like it just has to favor LeBron to some degree, but I just want to give a shout out to the Denver nuggets for doing tanking, right. Or well, they take the game, right. Um, they played very limited minutes. They let Portland win and send the Lakers to the gauntlet, pretty much the gulag. <laughs> I'm gonna call it. Um, which I think is great because for their perspective, like the last thing they wanted to do was have any of that smoke in the playoffs. So let the Lakers work for it. I think it's going to be good for basketball. And hopefully, I mean, I'm tired of the Le LeBron James painting these pictures and stories about how he's got it so bad. I wouldn't mind seeing them getting bounced early, but it would also be pretty cool to see them actually will through it, given that he was the first one bitching about uh, first one to say, oh, the play-in tournament's great. And then when he actually goes into it, he's like, oh, this is the whoever did it should be fired. Like, you're a clown. Yeah. But Well, the road, the road shapes up to be not so bad because they're in this bracket with the Nuggets and the Blazers, who I think, right. you know, 
the Lakers, if they did beat, let's say the Lakers beat the Warriors and beat Phoenix, I mean, they would be an overwhelming series price favorite against Denver or Portland. I think Phoenix would be a tougher series in round one. And then you have Absolutely. to tune up for the Clippers or the Jazz. I, so I, I think having both LA teams on opposite sides of the bracket makes both their roads a little bit easier. Obviously, both those teams wanted that. So um, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I, I think the there, there's a rational way to think about it, which is, yeah, the Lakers have been injured and they, you know, aren't as good this year and there's also the fact that you know we've said this about LeBron, it's lebron james right he, he doesn't miss the finals he goes to the finals every single year and i think you know is this the year that's going to change we will we will see final thoughts on the western conference and you guys want to throw it out munaf what is your kind of final impression here of the west i think to wrap up the west and with the lakers is that i i think that we may be discounting the fact that they had Rondo last year in the playoffs. And I think that might be a significant piece that maybe a lot of the national media or, or people may not be talking about because we know what Rondo is capable of in the playoffs. And I think is Dennis. Now, if, if I asked you guys, would you rather have play a uh, playoff Rondo or Dennis Schroeder in the playoffs? Which one would you guys take? Schroeder. That's a good question. Um, Rondo played outstanding in the playoffs last year. So if we're taking that Rondo, I would have, I would, I would like to have Rondo. Cause I don't really yeah. know what Dennis shooters giving me right now. He was solid when LeBron was off the floor and AD and he, he did a good job holding, piecing it together for the most part, but is he ready for that action? We'll see. <laughs> I, I'm going to take, I'm going to take Rondo, man. He's got two chips. Yeah, and I, and I think yeah, that was just the last point that I wanted to make was that I think this Rondo loss to from the Lakers to the Clippers might be the kind of the storyline that kind of flying under the radar than that. And I think that's really going to help the Clippers in the playoffs is having we talked about how Kawhi quote unquote in the offseason said that they needed to get a point guard. Now they have playoff Rondo on this roster where now Paul George and Kawhi can play off the ball and have Rondo run the offense and get these guys in the right spots. And I think that's going to be uh, something significant for the Clippers. One, one more, one, one last note. Yep. The Lakers also have Andre Drummond on their team. <laughs> that guy is a fucking disaster. He has, he, he's never played. Has he played in a playoff? I think he's maybe made, maybe made the playoffs like once, but maybe. like this guy, this guy in crunch time, like there's not a chance the Lakers are going to actually go that far with that clown on the, on the floor, man. I just, I can't see it. Like they got to play Marcus Saul because he just turns over the ball so much. He has no touch or hands. I, I think I, what, I really wonder about the Lakers depth at this point. Like this team is not the same team as last year, as much as I like want to give LeBron and AD all the credit, like they're not the same team. So I, I think it's going to be a fun thing to watch, man. I think what Will, Will Barton is for me is what Andre Drummond is for Dan. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I, I I need to find I need to find a player that I hate as much as you guys. Yeah, one in these playoffs. <laughs> yeah, so I I will say my final thoughts on the West. I think with the Lakers, I mean it's going to be Anthony Davis at the five, and for me, one of the interesting storylines in the West is how quickly we kind of move off of players when in the moment we want to vaunt them into that top five conversation. Um, and there are two names I want to throw out Kawhi Leonard going into last season. You know, I think most after he won that title with the Raptors, most people thought he was the best player in the NBA. And, and yeah. now he seems like one of the forgotten men. And I think he kind of has a wide open bracket um, to kind of reestablish himself as one of the two or three best players in the league. 
Anthony Davis, similarly, coming out of the finals last year, people were saying, oh, do the Lakers have the two best players in the league with AD's versatility and LeBron? So they haven't, they have not played to that level, you know, in the last, in, in recent form. But, you know, do they get back to that level? Um, and then also, I think I, I just would love to see the Golden State Warriors play the Utah Jazz in the first round. I think that would be a lot more than Utah was expecting to have to handle um, in a potential 1 8 matchup. Um, so, any other thoughts on the West, or should we move on to the betting uh, trends of the year award show? I think the last point for me is that do not discount this Phoenix Suns team because yeah, they, we didn't mention them. Yeah, they're a gritty bunch. When you have a Hall of Fame point guard, Chris Chris Paul, uh, Devin Booker, we know he's capable of dropping a thirty piece on any given night, and that team nobody is really talking about. So, if the Lakers do match up with Chris Paul and the Phoenix Suns in that first round, it's going to be a very, very interesting series in that first round. Yeah. All right, so let's take, let's take a quick break here, and then we'll come back with some of our other segments, betting trends of the year, and then look at some of these play-in game lines. So first, let's take a quick break and hear from some of our sponsors. Today's episode of the NBA Gambling Podcast is also brought to you by Roman. Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three-putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you come up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to GetRoman.com slash SGP. Now, with Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. And if medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash SGP and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving home. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash SGP now to get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. Just go to GetRoman.com slash SGP and get started now to save $15 in your first month of treatment. All right, guys, coming back off the break here. A lot of fun breaking down each of these conferences. So much uh, to get to. But for now, we're going to get to our own first annual, guys, NBA Gambling Podcast Betting Trends of the Year Award Show. So we have three categories here for this year. Betting Trend of the Year, Player Prop of the Year, and Most Disappointing Team of the Year. We also had Munaf post some polls in the Slack channel where you guys could uh, vote on your choice. So we will have, you know, the award selection from the community as well as our own awards. And uh, if you're not in the Slack channel, no better time than now to get in. So sg.pn slash Slack. It's going to be popping off all playoff long and super excited to discuss all these games with you every single night. We got everything on national TV so we can all be watching together. But without further ado, let's get right into it with the betting trend of the year. Munaf, I'll turn it to you. What did the people say? And then what is your uh, selection for betting trend of the year? So I'll start with uh, the RSGPN Slack channel award. Yeah, I put out a poll. Uh, I won't go through all the choices, but um, the people spoke their mind. They voted. And the NBA betting trend of the year for our NBA Slack channel was 
the New York Knicks first half against the spread and full game. And I, and I think if we would have put odds on this, I think it would have been around like minus 500 or minus 800 <laughs> because we had talked about this almost every single like day or once this trend kind of came about with the New York Knicks and, you know, their first half was cashing at, I mean, at a crazy rate and especially their full game too. Right. And we kind of take a look at the, 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 the full game against the spread trend in final numbers, the New York Knicks were, I think, the best team, if not the second best team. Let me pull it up here real quick. Yeah, New York Knicks, yeah. the number one team, 45-26-1 and one against the spread in the full game in their first half. They um, finished here. Let me see. Loading here. 51-20. and 20. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we we talked about this again, like I said in the Slack channel. Every single night we were betting it, and for for the New York Knicks to have the season that they did, um, I'm, I'm ha- happy to give them this award. The NBA Slack channel betting trend of the year award goes to the New York Knicks. <laughs> Little mild applause. I will jump in right here because I also <laughs> had the Knicks first half, so nothing else really to say. It was just unbelievable, and obviously just a credit to Tom Thibodeau. I mean, the game plans he put together clearly were successful, and they were able to jump on teams in the first half, and they were also potentially a decent team to fade in the third quarter when they let a lot of teams back into games. So they were always a good team to target in the first half, and if you liked them in a full game, at least to split that bet across the uh, the two portions. So I went with the Knicks first half as well. I think, like Muna said, very obvious. I think all of NBA gambling Twitter – would be pretty unanimous. That was a cash cow this year. So, Munaf, we'll kick it back to you. What was your choice for betting trend of the year? Yeah, you guys know that I'm I'm a totals guy, and uh, you know a lot of playing these team totals and full game totals. But I, I will agree that the Knicks were the best team this year. But for me, uh, my my betting trend of the year uh, award went to the Indiana Pacers and their over bets this season. Um, you take a look at their numbers this season as an over under team. They finished as the best team cashing at 62% to the over 44, 27 and one. And it really had started to really take off in the second half of the season when, you know, Dan and I, and Zach, you and I also talked about how they were playing at a very, very high pace. When miles Turner uh, left the lineup for, for injury, they started getting up and down the floor with some of the guys that they have that can, you know, the young guys with Kevin Sumner, Malcolm Brogdon, especially when Sabonis came back, they were still playing at a high, high pace. So, you know, they had cash, I think, six or seven straight overs. They finished the season with three straight overs. So um, my betting trend of the year went to the Indiana Pacers. And, you know, they're in that play-in tournament this year. Um, I don't think they're going to win a game. So, um, but a lot of question marks for this Indiana Pacers team going into the offseason with their coaching and some of the players. But we'll get to that later on. But my betting trend of the year award went to the Indiana Pacers overs this year. Yes, sir. Dan, how about you? Yeah, mine goes to I'm sticking to the overs as well. Um, I wrote a couple overs through the course of the first half of the season, a little bit into the second half, and it started out with the Chicago Bulls, um, or excuse me, the the New Orleans Pelicans. The Pelicans were wind up finishing. Let me see here. They wind up finishing fourth, tied for tied for third with the Milwaukee Bucks on the over for the course of the season, forty one and thirty. Definitely still would have been a positive ROI. I know, especially it was very active in the first half of the season. The other one that I really liked and it was working out really well for me was the Chicago away. 
Yeah. Um, Chicago was amazing in the first half of the season, really just covering the spread. And they did a great job of every time they were on the road, man, I was, I was riding that wave. And then the last one I had was the fading the Sixers on the road was very profitable. <laughs> I, I always try to make a, a point to not bet on the teams that I, that I root for, but this one was pretty hard to ignore, man. Like they were trash um, first half of the season, really before the Joel Embiid injury, they, they turned it around as the, as they started getting closer to playoff time, but they weren't a good team um, away from, from home. So yeah, those are probably my best three. Um, I'd say profitability was definitely mostly on the new Orleans Pelicans on the over um, cause they played like zero, zero defense um, initially throughout the season. Yeah, there we go. I mean, I, I agree with all those. I mean, the stats don't lie. Those were all all these betting trends that we're throwing out here are the most were, were very profitable all year. I also want to give a quick shout out to the Phoenix Suns at home this year. Yeah. They were a cash cow. They are twenty three and thirteen against the spread at home, twenty one and eleven against the spread as a home favorite. Um, so they really took care of home all year. I believe they did have fans all season, and you know they also really just up their up their baseline so much with the addition of Chris Paul. He really helped them kind of take care of business when they needed to. And that, they've been inconsistent in the past. So a lot of great betting trends this year. And I think there'll be something to, you know, kind of build on in the playoffs to see if we can find any new angles, you know, will the Knicks first half survive? That'll be interesting. Obviously when you have, you're not facing a new opponent every night, right? It's the same game plan every single night with minor adjustments here and yep. there. So very, very interesting going forward. Next category for the NBA Gambling Podcast, Betting Trends Awards. We're going to have to get some sponsors for each of these categories for next yeah. year. You know, maybe <laughs> maybe the Roman Player Prop of the Year. Um, so, for Player Prop of the Year, Munaf, what did the people say for this award? Yeah, this was – I thought this was the one going to be the one of the more interesting ones for at least our Slack channel because there were so many different guys that we were throwing out there. But, um, you know, as the NBA uh, Slack channel for our SGPN, the – the NBA plot player prop of the year went to Steph Curry over on his props and over on his three point shooting. And uh, I think this kind of came into maybe emergence, I think more so in the second half of the year for him, you know, the, the market really didn't catch up to Steph Curry after the all-star break because he was just dropping some ridiculous numbers. There was a streak where he had, um, you know, 30 plus point games. He had back to back 40 point games. Um, and you know, he was just like just straight dropping numbers. And then again, his three point shooting to uh shooting to that, you know, in the month of April, he was averaging close to or about six and a half made three pointers and getting up about 14. And he shot 46 percent um from the three point line beyond uh sorry in the month of April. And also carried into the month of May too, right? There's three games that the kick off the month where he made seven, eight, and eight. And, you know, the market hadn't adjusted. And when it finally did, it got up to about 35 and a half. But, you know, that player prop as for, for the NBA Slack channel went to Steph Curry this year. There you go. So congrats to Steph Curry. Did either of you guys have Steph? I did not. All right. So Munaf, where did you go with this award? Obviously credit to Steph, just a phenomenal year, but we all had different ideas. So Munaf, who was your player prop of the year? Yeah. And I think Zach might be able to guess who my guy was. Uh, I got to go with Russell Westbrook, man. Um, <laughs> he, he gets my player prop of the year award. I mean, what this guy did this season, it's just incredible to see. And we talked about how the market could not set the number high enough for, 
Russell Westbrook, even at 13 and a halves and 14 and a halves on his, you know, rebounds and assists, he was just putting up ridiculous, ridiculous numbers every single night. And we talked about how the, you know, his triple doubles weren't like 19, 10 and 10. They were like 24 points, 15 rebounds, 15 assists. He had a night where he had 20 rebounds and 20 assists plus. So um, it was really fun to almost blindly bet this guy every single night. And all I had to do at the end of the night was kind of just check the box scores and see, okay, 15 <laughs> rebounds, 15 assists. And then it was an easy, easy cash cow for me. So my, my award goes to Russell Westbrook. AKA your boy, my boy. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, how about you? Yeah, I think I found a lot of success early in the season was the market not adjusting to Julius Randall, the point God, his assist line. I mean, he, he saw a jump of nearly three assists uh, from last year up to six. Um, and early on in the season, I was riding the wave, man, and it was extremely profitable for me. Um, towards the end of the season, it seemed like he he still maintained that assist. His rebounds uh, tailed off a bit. But Julius Randle was just a great player to to bet on this year, being that he was the focal point of their offense and, and normally seen upwards of a 30, 30% usage rate. The guy was extremely active through all facets of the game. And just want to give a shout out to him, man, because he, he was definitely one of the more profitable players that I played this year, primarily his assist line. Yeah, and I, I saw a stat today. One of the only uh, 24, 10, and 6 seasons with over 40% three-point shooting uh, in NBA history. So just a phenomenal year for Julius and one that no one expected. And that kind of plays into what you're saying, Dan, earlier in the year. I mean, no one expected this guy to go out and average what he did for the whole year. So I'm sure there was plenty of player prop action to be had on Julius Randle. I'm going to go with another guy who also, you know, kind of had an unprecedented outburst in scoring and that's Jeremy Grant. Um, I think, you know, it would be remiss not to mention him. The first game of the season, he did have only nine points in a loss and then ripped off maybe what moon off. We want to say 30 straight games of like, yeah, just double digit, you know, 20 point scoring. And this mm -hmm. was a guy who had never averaged more than 12 points before in his career. Everyone was shocked by his decision to go to Detroit in the first place, take on more of a featured scoring role. And then he just started absolutely going off. I think these, these lines were set maybe 20 and a half, 19 and a half to start the season. And you saw a trick up 21 and a half, 22 and a half, 23 and a half, 24 and a half. That's when he did, did start to kind of fall under a little bit. But if you just pull up this Jeremy Grant game log, I mean, the months of January and, and December and, and February for him were absolutely ridiculous. Then they did start the tanking process a little bit. A lot of DNPs for him, obviously, as they kind of executed their strategy. But Jeremy Grant, for the first two or three months of the season was just, I knew that around three o'clock Eastern time, you were going to get moon off in the Slack channel saying Jeremy Grant over. And I was going to be going right to, you know, place that, that, that bet. And, and, you know, like moon, said, all you have to do is check the box score or even just check your balance in your account. Cause you knew yeah. it was most likely going to be up. So shout out to Jeremy Grant for he's my player prop of the year. Any other guys you want to give honorable mention to before we move on? Yeah, I think one guy I had was uh, uh, Valanchunas on his rebounding props. I mean, there, there, there's nights where this guy was grabbing 15-plus rebounds and the market was setting it around sometimes 10.5, 11.5, 13.5. But, um, you know, he's just been an absolute monster for for the uh, Memphis Grizzlies this year as far as rebounding the basketball. Um, you know, uh, it, like I said, any given night, this guy went out and could drop 20 points, 15 rebounds. And um, the last guy I also wanted to did mention 
was um, <clears throat> uh, Nikola Vucevic. When he was with Orlando, we knew the numbers that this guy could put up every single night for for the Orlando Magic. Then after he got traded to the Chicago Bulls, it took him a little bit to kind of, I guess, get into the flow of the offense and the, the game plan that Chicago Bulls do put together because there was nights where he only had seven or eight rebounds. And again, he was probably just adjusting to the style of play the Chicago Bulls had, especially with another super or all-star like Zach Levine. But after that, we started seeing the normal numbers from Nikola Vucevic and for his points and rebounds. And I think at the end of the season, he was starting to get the numbers that we see where he had with Orlando. So that's another honorable mention. Uh, those two guys I had for, for my uh, player prop of the year. Dan, any honor mention you want to throw out there? Uh, so super interesting enough. Um, I was following uh, one of the, one of the good follows for, for player props on Twitter is prop stars. And he was tracking Moses Brown's assist prop the entire season. Hmm. And I think Moses Brown finished with three assists in 920 minutes, which is absurd. So looking at some of his player prop lines, man, they were like on a nightly basis. Once Moses Brown started getting consistent minutes, um, you know, we were seeing this for a minus 1000 minus 2000. Cause it was so the, the books were so adamant that this guy was not going to get an assist. It was pretty fun to watch, but wow. on my own personal level, I, I, I kind of want to give a shout out to Nikola Vucevic. He was good for me, similar to Manaf um, earlier in the season with Orlando. He was just spectacular. He had a great season and he, he was available and consistent. Like, I think in, in the COVID era, he can't be understated how many times, you know, I had a couple props get that I felt really good about ultimately not even come to fruition because people were sitting out or they got COVID um, so it was a really tough landscape to navigate. And, um, and yeah, I, I would say Nikola Vucevic in late, late season, I would say it would be Michael Porter Jr. Once Jamal Murray yeah. went down, yeah. it was like open season for this man on his yeah. points, props, on his rebounding. I think, especially his three-pointers, um, he was just a phenomenal asset uh, for betters uh, in late game, this late, late season. Yeah, and I, I will say I saw a stat this morning that Michael Porter Jr., had just had a, uh, you know, the second most efficient scoring season in NBA history after only Wilt Chamberlain with a wow. 64% effective field goal percentage um, and, you know, averaging up over 20 points. So just, he is just lethal as a shooter. Um, and I, I look forward to seeing him match up against the Blazers and, you know, what he can do. And they kind of don't have a great matchup for him. Let's take a quick break here to hear from a sponsor. And then we will come back with the most disappointing teams of the year. Today's episode of the NBA Gambling Podcast is also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. If you haven't played on Underdog Fantasy, you have to check it out. Their fantasy best ball tournaments are some of the best around, including their Best Ball Mania 2 contest where you can win $1 million. Plus, you can play a number of games involving parlaying player props for MLB, the NBA, and more. They also have a special NBA playoffs best ball tournament coming up as well. So go to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN. And don't forget to enter their Best Ball Mania 2 tournament for your chance to win $1 million. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. All right, guys, coming back off the break. Moonaf, I believe we did not have a poll for this in the Slack, right? No, so we didn't. We we didn't have, it was just between uh, what uh, us three. Yeah, so let's get right into here. Most disappointing team of the year, whether that's against the spread or in terms of win total expectation. Um, I know 
uh, I kind of have a sense for where some of these might go. But Munaf, we'll start it off with you. Who was your most disappointing team of the year? Yeah, my most disappointing team of the year was uh, the Boston Celtics this year. Um, Yeah, there was, uh, you know, there was a lot of hype behind this team coming into the season because of what their roster kind of had with, you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Kemba Walker. Um, But, I mean, they've they've dealt with a lot this season. You know, Kemba Walker didn't come back till about mid-January because of the injury that he was dealing with. And again, across... The entire NBA, this was another team that was dealing with a lot of COVID issues and guys being out for health and safety protocols. Um, I think, you know, more so X's and O's also was that they didn't address getting a true big man for this team in for the front court, right? I mean, they got Tristan Thompson, but that wasn't going to be sufficient enough for them to kind of compete or, or play defense around the rim. So I think... You know, as from a betting standpoint, you know, what we thought that this Boston team was starting to turn it around when they won, I think, six out of seven games, I think in the month of April. But then they lost that one. I keep on remembering that one Chicago game where they just came out flat where we thought that they were going to win that ball game. I think that was without Zach Levine, too. So, you know, Boston, I think this year, as far as expectations, has has really um, fell below their mark. Um, for them to be in the play-in tournament, I think is a disappointing season. And we, you know, there was rumors going around on Twitter if you know Brad Stevens was going to take the job at Indiana, or if you know Boston didn't make the playoffs, was he going to be back with this team? So, um, you know, from a betting standpoint, when I was betting on this Boston team, it just I just couldn't find a way to be profitable with them. And I think this team for me was probably the most disappointing of the year. Yeah, and obviously, kind of. They were expected to take the next step. I keep going back. They were favored to win the Eastern Conference Finals last year against Miami and then yeah. kind of has been downhill from there. Dan, who was your most disappointing team of the season? Yeah, I think we're sticking to a similar theme here. The Toronto Raptors are, are the most disappointing for me. It's mainly because I think that they were also very – they were really extremely impacted by COVID. Uh, obviously, they had to play in a – different arena yeah. that was not in, in Toronto. They also got hit with health and safety protocols, uh, second most to the Boston Celtics. And, you know, with this team, I mean, I, I think that they had actually built out a pretty good squad considering that we're going to see the next, the next level or the next version of Pascal Siakam and Kyle Lowry, obviously seeing Fred Van Vliet there. And I think even the move to get Gary Trent was a good trade. Um, it shouldn't have decreased their value that much. But over the course of the season, they were the third worst team against the spread overall. I mean, they were 31 and 40. The other team I would give an honorable mention to and just betting purposes that I can never really get a read on was the Milwaukee Bucks. This team was up and down all season. Yeah. And surprisingly, they were actually only 32 and 39 against the spread. So you know, I, I tried to fade them as much as I can. You know, obviously, I was, we're tracking our bets via tally site. Yeah. Um, but they just never gave me much confidence anytime that I bet on them, um, just based off their inconsistencies. Yeah, I think with Toronto, it's really interesting. You know, I think they were a team. They were one of my best bets to the over on the win total. Um, and that obviously didn't come close. But I do think they kind of have to be a little bit happy with how things worked out. They did a really nice job of tanking towards the end of the year. So, <laughs> For them to end up with right, yeah. For them to end up with the seventh uh, best lottery odds, I think it got to be exciting to be a Raptors fan because, you know, they 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 could have made another push for the playoffs and they could have been a four or five seed, but 
you know, they still would not have solved the ultimate problem with this roster, which is they lack that alpha dog primary creator who Kawhi Leonard was for them. And they're still missing Pascal doesn't seem ready to step into that role. So I do think that for them, you know, falling down in the standings, maybe a little bit of a blessing in disguise to, you know, take a swing at some top end talent in the lottery. So that could be worked out well for them. Although that does kind of put back into square view, the the lack of trading Kyle Lowry, you know, they could have gotten right. more assets, maybe a Tyler hero, a Taylor Horton Tucker, maybe a first round pick or two. So that decision kind of looks a little bit worse now, but you know, he also did a lot for their franchise. If he didn't want to get moved, I understand not moving him. My most disappointing team. And this is no surprise to any loyal listeners of the show is the Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> um, not necessarily a team that was expected to be, you know, anything special, but this just this ATS this ATS performance was just absolutely brutal. Twenty five and forty six against the number, and for some reason, I could never be convinced that they weren't somehow a pesky dog at home. I every single time I saw the screen flash with the Cavs as a as a as an underdog of like eight or more points, I was on them, and I literally lost every single one of those bets. Um, and it just couldn't convince myself not to. So. That must have been some sort of cognitive issue with my own brain. You know, one of the many issue, cognitive issues that my brain has. <laughs> um, but just, I could not quit the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I would love to look back. I would hate to look back at kind of my history um, with, with this team this year. And, you know, as I said, 25 and 46 against the spread, 23 and 40 ATS as an underdog. So that may, probably made me 23 and 40 um, ATS betting on the Cavaliers. So they were my most disappointing team. Um, any other honorable mentions that you guys want to throw out here? I mean, I think there were not too many. I think Boston is definitely obvious, but other than that, I mean, the Lakers kind of disappointing from a regular season perspective, but they didn't really care about the regular season. Indiana, I think maybe is a good one to throw out here. Um, uh, Orlando, I think they kind of took a step back, but they obviously had major injuries to John Isaac and Markel Fultz and then traded Vooch. So yeah. any other honorable mentions you guys want to throw out there? Yeah, Gold State on the road was also pretty um pretty brutal as well. 14 and 22 overall. Um only second to the Cleveland Cavaliers who were 10 and 26. So feel feel your pain there, ZB. Um <laughs> just just overall though, I mean, I think the one of the teams that surprised me the most was the Charlotte Hornets. I didn't see them uh even in a consideration whether they would be making a playoff run here, um, especially when when they endured so many injuries throughout the course of the season. The fact that they're still relevant, even though they did slide towards the end of the season, losing some games and losing their place in the seeding. There was at one point they were the fourth place team in the Eastern Conference. So they they've done a great job, um, just you know weathering the storm. Pretty much, they were a team that often got down early and then would make these crazy pushes in the fourth quarter to often cover the spread. So. Um, yeah, I think that the Charlotte Hornets was a was a surprise for me. I think the last team for me, um, as 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 a home team, especially being a home favorite, was the Dallas Mavericks this year. They finished ten uh, seventeen as a home favorite this season. Um, you know, we've talked about ad volumes about this Dallas team where they don't have somebody else other than Luka to be a playmaker, and having KP being in and out of the lineup uh, was, I think, another huge blow to this team on where they could have ended up in the standings. But, um, you know, Dallas, I think, again, a team that's going to have a lot of question marks going into the offseason on how you kind of improve this roster around Luka and what they want to kind of do with KP. Um, so, I, yeah, I know that Dallas being 
only 10 and 17 at home against the spread in a favorite situation was, was really uh, something that uh, really cost me some money this season to my, to my bankroll. <laughs> yeah. I think with Dallas, the dis- disappointment kind of extends beyond ATS. I mean, when you look at this playoff series against the Clippers, right? I think they are still in a position where Luca could be the best player in the series and they still would lose the series. Yeah. Uh, Cause they didn't really add enough artillery around him. I think like we saw last year, Luca carried them game winner, you know, 30 point triple doubles and he outplayed Kawhi and, and PG and they still didn't have enough to really even make that series uh, that close. So I will agree with you. The Mavericks a little bit of a disappointing year. Um, so yeah, so that does conclude our betting trends of the year award show. Anything else you guys want to throw out in terms of just season-long thoughts on on betting? Uh, we can just kind of wrap up here. Regular season, I think it was pretty profitable for the Slack channel. A um, lot, of, lot of fun and a lot of different team totals and all that. So any final thoughts you guys have on betting, things you might have learned this year or, or just takeaways from the regular season betting approach? Uh, that's a good question. Um I'd say betting approach, man. Like I, I think I got to get back into the lab here because I think the health and safety protocols element certainly impacted as well as the condensed schedule. We were seeing these laundry lists of injury reports and just the demand that it put on the players. I think that we saw from game game. If you had a back-to-back set or three games in four nights, I think it was a bit different um, in yeah. terms of a betting strategy. Um, one of the things that Manaf and I talked a lot about was catching the right teams on the back end of a back-to-back or when they were traveling, you know, all those different scenarios and parameters, I think we had to pay a lot more attention to in this climate. So, you know, I- I'm kind of curious of what next season is going to look like at an 82 game schedule when everyone's, um, you know, seemingly on their home turf, when there's fans in the building, when you get that home field advantage, I think that that was a one really cool thing about, um, betting this year is that you had that neutrality when there wasn't really that many fans. So you couldn't get that home, that home court real feel advantage. So um, I'll miss that. But at, in, in regards to just the strategy of it, um, I, I know to fade the Cleveland Cavaliers. I, I had a <laughs> lot. It's, it's funny because I actually had a lot of faith in the, uh, in Colin Sexton primarily. And yep. he had a great job. He averaged 25 points this year. Um, so he definitely took a step up, but I expect the Cleveland Cavaliers to be a better team next year. I'm really curious about several other teams. You know, I think the off season is going to be really, uh, really important for some of these teams in free agency to beef up, especially like the Celtics that we talked about their lack of front court depth. Um, Just curious to see what happens, man. There's some good free agents out there going to be some movement. So excited for next season for sure. And I'm ready to really get into the the playoff bets because I know we'll have some, uh, we'll definitely have some good debates on this show going forward uh, as the playoff, the playing tournament seems to settle down and we get a better picture of what the uh, playoffs are going to look like. Yes, sir. Moon up. How about you? Yeah, I think this was a uh, year where, you know, Dan mentioned going back to the playoff bubble that it was going to be a different year because of healthy health and safety protocols with not having fans in the arena and, you know, home court advantage wasn't really a thing this season. So I don't think it was accounted for in, in spreads that the books were putting up. Um, you know, obviously teams like Toronto this season where they weren't number one at home and is an, uh, one of the teams that kind of really thrive off of their the, the crowd uh, in their arenas. And I think Utah is another team, but I think kind of zooming out and kind of looking at the final standings here, I know it's kind of hindsight, but if we told you at the beginning of the season that the Clippers and the Lakers were not going to even be a top three seed in, in the Western conference, I think everybody would have probably kind of laughed at, you know, whoever made that assumption, but um, 
quickly kind of wrapping up for the season was I think, you know, something that I kind of harped on every single season or sorry, every single day on our podcast and the Slack channel was making sure to check those injury reports. I think this was a year where I think my handicapping really started with checking the injury report first and then getting into the X's and O's and trends of every single game. Because like Dan mentioned, you had guys that were going to be in and out of the lineup, whether it was because of health and safety protocols, whether it was because of injuries and, you know, who, you know, maybe trading block situations and who was getting pulled out of game. So, you know, hopefully we get back to some normalcy next season, but as far as this season, um, you know, I just want to, again, shout out the Phoenix Suns this season for their incredible year. Also the Utah Jazz and then also a team, again, the New York Knicks who, you know, like I've always said to you guys is that basketball is always better when Madison Square Garden has playoff games and New York City is relevant in the NBA. So, you know, I quickly just want to shout out those three teams for the regular season that they did have. Yeah, and as we speak, I believe that uh, New York just loosened their restrictions to allow more fans into the Garden and Barclays Center for the playoffs. That's also something to monitor. I think ESPN did post an article this morning that had a list of every team's uh, capacity per venue. So that could be something to check out for handicapping in the playoffs. And yeah, I mean, I think turning the page on the regular season, um, a great year. I think we all we all had a lot of success. And one thing I definitely learned this year was to kind of isolate if you have an angle. And, you know, make sure that you're sure that the that the whole game is where that angle applies. Like if you have a game that a team that's coming off, you know, a bad loss and you want expect them to come out, start hot, take them in the first quarter, not the whole game. You know, if you want to isolate that angle, same thing with the second game of a back to back. I mean, a lot of times what what we see with a back to back is teams that, you know, lose steam in the second half when the wheels start to fall off and the fatigue starts to settle in. But they could still be there in the first half where they're, you know, having that. All right, let's go, you know no no fatigue and then it sets in late in the game so trying to isolate your angle as much as possible i think is something that i learned this year um and then definitely it was definitely the year of the injury report to kind of echo what both you guys said and that kind of plays into being at your laptop at 1 30 eastern and 5 30 yeah. eastern when those two reports yep. do come out and you can yeah. see you know the, but beat a line move if you pull that pdf up right away you could potentially beat a line move and and, and bet off that angle right away so Trying to think what else. I mean, it's just a really fun year. I thought this was one of my favorite regular seasons I can remember. And, you know, whether or not you believe that how in LeBron James' health, it, it really sets up for a really even playoffs with a lot of parity and many different teams that could win the title. Um, and now as we move into the playoffs, I mean, it's always interesting. And I, I will say my kind of early thought in the playoffs, I struggle with this last year, is you're faced with the same matchup every single night. And so, you know, how do you – bet different sides of, of these series. You know, if you say you like the Hawks and the Hawks next series, I mean, are you betting them against the spread every single game? Yeah. Um, or can you bet the Knicks on the spread in any of those games if you tell yourself you like the Hawks? So those are really interesting dynamics that can kind of be a little bit more mentally tricky in the playoffs when you're staring at the same game, you know, every other night. So that will close the book on the regular season. Now we are going to get right into it. Um, handicapping the play-in game and, this sets up for just an awesome playoff. So let's take a quick break here, hear from some of our sponsors, then we'll come back with the uh, NBA play-in game previews. Today's episode of the NBA Gambling Podcast is also brought to you by Odds Jam. If you're a sharp better, you need to sign up with Odds Jam. Odds Jam does your line shopping for you, finding the best prices on all bets, including 
player props. OzJam even provides arbitrage opportunities where you can bet on both sides of a line at two different shops to guarantee a profit. OzJam also tailors itself to whatever betting market you're currently in. So go dominate the marketplace with OzJam. Sign up at promo code sportsgamingpodcast.com slash oddsjam and use the promo code SGP for 5% off. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash oddsjam. Promo code SGP for 5% off. All right, guys, coming back off the break. Let's get right into it here. We have four games for the, I guess, the first round of the play-in, we'll call it. First game on the slate. It's at 6.30 on a Tuesday. They might as well put this game on NBA TV because it doesn't really (laughs) seem like there's much hype around this one. The Charlotte Hornets visit Indiana, where the Pacers are a three-point favorite at home. Total is at 228. Munaf, we'll start with you. Where are you going on the side here? Yeah, I'm quickly trying to see when these two teams kind of matched up this season. Um, Here we go. So they played together on january 27th and january 29th the back-to-back situation um charlotte lost the first game by 10 and they came back and won the second game by three points and then let me see if they matched up later in the season I don't, yeah they played yeah. in they played in april okay what do you say charlotte, the date? Char- uh it was april tw- uh april 2nd okay and then charlotte won that game by 17 and they were five point underdogs so you know, I, I kind of do like Charlotte in this spot here tonight. Or sorry, tomorrow night. Um, I, I, f- I just feel like uh, Indiana. We go back to their their coaching issue that they had. You know, with with the whole sideline issue with uh, Jeff Foster or Greg Foster and and their backup center. Um, the health, obviously, of is Malcolm Brogdon going to be playing tomorrow night? That's the biggest question because he's been dealing with a hamstring injury, but. Um, you know, so we take a look at this Charlotte team. We still have, have you guys heard anything about Gordon Hayward? Or if he's going to be back in or is he just done for the rest of the season? I think he's done. Okay. Yeah. I haven't heard anything about him. I, I think this is, I, I do like Charlotte tomorrow night. Um, plus the three, um, LaMelo ball, Devonte Graham, Ter- Terry Rozier. I think these guys will ball out tonight and get the W and, um, you know, proceed to the next, to the next round of the playoffs. Dan, how about you? You know, I, I was as I was been thinking about it over the course of last night and, and earlier this morning, I was leaning towards the Charlotte Hornets. They did take two out of the three contests this season. Uh but they were they were dogs in all three of the the matchups. And I think this really hinges on Malcolm Brogdon's availability because I think the Pacers are much better when he is in the lineup. If he plays, I'm taking the Pacers. If yeah. he sits, I'm taking Charlotte. I agree yeah. with that. Yeah, I think I agree with that too. I mean, look, Indiana's been kind of up and down all year, but they do have kind of some talent on this roster that we expected maybe could be a four or five seed. So they maybe feel like a little better. Obviously, the health on their side is a little bit curious. Do we know anything about Miles Turner's availability in this game? I thought they said he was out indefinitely or done okay. for the season too. <laughs> Yeah, so he's probably out. Malcolm Brogdon also did not play in the final game of the regular season, so he's been out. So there are certainly a lot of health concerns on both sides for this. So getting your hands on that injury report will be will be important here. Um, but, um, you know, I, I mean, 
it's tough. It's tough without knowing the injury report. I would probably lean towards Indiana, honestly, at home here. Charlotte kind of ran out of gas a little bit down the, down the stretch of the season, but we will have to see what goes where on the injury report. Total at two twenty eight. Any thoughts on this one, Munaf? Um, yeah, again, it's going to depend on like if Indiana is going to be playing at a high pace again, right? And you know, Charlotte kind of has been an under team. If their jump shots are falling, then you know it'll get over. But I think for I think recommendation that I would make is especially for playoff games is kind of betting these games live, right? Because you kind of determine on what the pace is, how well these teams are shooting, um, you know, what teams are looking like if they're if it's their first time in a playoff series or playoff game, do they look nervous? Um, so I think that, you know, for this total, I think it, it is a little high for me, but it, again, for this game, at least like Dan said, it's just going to depend on if Malcolm Brogdon is playing tomorrow night or not for, for the Indiana Pacers, but I would lean towards the under for this game. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. The under went, uh, it was the, the games, both the two last two matchups went under yep. and they were set at two eighteen and a half and two twenty one. The first game was a push. So you know, it's just trending to me like an under, even though we've been we've been crushing Indiana as of late for their lack of defense and 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 really just their their poor play and, and just allowing other teams to score. Um, but yeah, part of me is just seems like you know, there's not a lot of firepower in this in this matchup, especially on the Indiana side. It's pretty much going to be if Ma- Malcolm Brogdon's not playing, it's going to be Karis LeVert and Demonis Sabonis just going getting after it. Um, and on the Charlotte side, Terry Rozier primarily and, uh, and Lamella ball. So I'm going to take the under here. Yeah. Not much for me on the total, probably maybe lean to the over a little bit slightly with, you know, the Hornets potentially going to a three guard lineup, which they closed with against the Knicks. But um, again, a lot of, a lot of stuff we worked out on the injury report for this one. Let's go to the next game on the slate. Uh, you know, probably a much better game here. Boston is a one and a half point favorite at home with the Washington Wizards coming to town. Total at two thirty-three. Dan, I think we already kind of know which way you're going based on your comments earlier. We'll start with you. Where are you going with this uh, Washington Boston matchup? Yeah, you know they they've also faced each other three times this year. Um, with Boston taking the first one as three and a half point favorites. Washington covering his dogs uh, at six and a half in the next, the last two contests that took place in, in February. But, you know, these teams played each other so long ago. You, you, I don't think you can really use this historical um, performance history to the current status of it because Jalen Brown's not going to be playing. Yeah. The Boston Celtics are in a free fall right now. As much as I think J- uh, Jason Tatum is going to be the best player on the court. For what I saw the last couple of games, man, he he doesn't. I, I don't. I don't think that they're going to be able to last out. Like I just don't think that this team is is built for what the Washington Wizards are. The way that they've been playing, the pace at which they've been playing, it's going to take a lot for Boston to be able to stop to stop Russell Westbrook, Brett Bradley Beal, and I would say the the improved play of some of their role players as well. Um, I don't think this is a good spot for Boston. Demina team that's that's riding a hot streak here. I got Washington, but I'm going to take the what, what is the game total at ZB? Total is at two thirty three. Pretty high. I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take the under on that. Playoff basketball, I think it gets a little bit. We'll we'll see the pace slow down just a bit, but I think we'll still see the the usual suspects: Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal. You know, getting after it and and, and primarily leading their offense. 
There we go. Munaf, how about you? Yeah, I think I'm 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 with Dan. I, I like the Wizards here tomorrow night. Um it almost seems like that we're, we're it's a collision between a very hot team and a, a, a team that's kind of on the downward trend in the Boston Celtics. And, um, you know, I wish I would have got this when this lined open. But, you know, I think for the, the key thing for me is that Boston has really struggled on the defensive end over their last 10 final 10 games of the season. They're all the way down to number 23. And, you know, when you when you're going up against two dynamic players in the backcourt of the Washington Wizards with Westbrook and Bradley Beal. Do the Boston Celtics have enough on the defensive side of the basketball for them to contain it? You know, Marcus Smart is probably going to be matched up on one of the two guys, obviously, but do you trust Evan Fournier or Kimba Walker to kind of slow down the other guy? And I, I, I don't. And, you know, like I went back and said that how Boston has been one of my more disappointing teams this season. Um, you know, I'm going to continue to fade them here in the first game against the Washington Wizards. So uh, I like Wizards plus the points. I probably will take them on the money line. And I agree with Dan, when you're getting into playoff basketball, the game kind of slows down. You get into your half court sets. And, um, you know, I do uh, lean towards the under for the full game. But I think if you do like overs in playoff basketball, take a look at taking the first half overs because the second half really slows down. Because if you're getting into crunch time, players want to get into, coaches want to get into their offensive sets, and the game really slows down the fourth quarter, especially in those final three to four minutes where you kind of need those extra points to get to the over. But I think if I am going to be playing overs this season, it'll be in the first half. But as far as this game, I do like Washington Wizards. I will take them on the money line and uh, the under in the game also. Yeah, I think I'm definitely – Leaning Wizards as well, um, for all the reasons you guys mentioned, so we don't need to overlap there. But with Boston, I do kind of feel a little bit of concern. It does feel like everyone is is kind of fading this Boston team right now. So yeah. maybe it might be the right time to kind of zag when everyone else is zigging. I mean, this line opened three, down to one and a half, and it seems like you know all three of us kind of like Washington. And from what I've seen so far on Twitter and that sort of thing, there does seem to be a lot of momentum from Washington. So if you do kind of believe in that sort of thing, which I, I do, I, I normally don't like to be on the, the 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 side where everyone else kind of jumped off off the ship. So that would be the only thing that's kind of holding me back here on Washington a little bit. Um, I, you know, all the reasons you guys mentioned are still right there, but maybe you know. Is it it's Brad Stevens and Jason Tatum might be the best player on the floor and Washington doesn't really have a great matchup to guard a three. I mean, they kind of connect from their guards up, up to their bigs and Rui and that type of thing. So yeah. maybe a targeting Jason Tatum as sort of he'll be obviously playing a high usage offensive role. So maybe a points, rebounds, and assists on Tatum could be a good look. Um, once we get those player props, we will get those out to you. But very much looking forward to watching this game here. I think it's going to be a really, really competitive, a lot of great players, and obviously – Bradley Beal and Jason Tatum, um, both from St. Louis, I believe, and they they kind of have been co- well connected throughout their time in the league. So excited for this one! Definitely, Brad Stevens has a coaching advantage, I will say, over over Scott Brooks, um, un- unless you hold this season so much against Brad. But looking forward to watching this one. Any other thoughts on this game uh, f- from either of you guys? Yeah, real quick, I just wanted to say that you know the Wizards we've been we've been pretty much slandering their defense for much of the season, but over their last. I believe five games, they're actually ninth in defensive rating yeah. in the NBA. So I think as we're trying to pull all this together, I think it's, it's, it's helping the wizards in all facets of their game. Their defense is coming together. Their offense is humming. 
Um, while I, I, I love the, the, the zigging and the zagging, um, cause there's definitely <laughs> a lot of, a lot of momentum on, and steam behind the wizards. Uh, part of me is still just really confident that the wizards are the right team to play this Boston Celtics team. That's fading fast, but I wouldn't be surprised if, Hey, if Jason Tatum goes for 45 and, you know, Kemba Walker shows up and Marcus Smart plays defense. I think that's the reps, the recipe for, for Boston's success here. Uh, I think Munaf pointed out the right player that I'm, I'm wondering if he's going to be an X factor and that's Evan Fournier. We haven't really seen him yeah. be anything as advertised as what he was in, in Orlando. He doesn't look like a look. He doesn't really look, really look like the right fit. He also looks a bit beefy. I don't remember him being that chubby. <laughs> Um, in Orlando, so I don't know. Maybe he's getting some good grub up there, but too many yeah. croissants for the French. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that's that's a great point. And Evan Fournier, especially with Jalen Brown out, he has to be a key piece on the offensive end. And then, and then Kemba Walker. I mean, you know, he was brought in to be a third star alongside Jalen and Jason. Jalen's out, and it's time for Kemba Walker to be a bona fide second star. So really excited yeah. to see what he brings to the table. And obviously on the defensive end, he has to hold up as well because, you know, Marcus Smart can only guard one of Bradley Beal or Russell Westbrook. So Kemba will have a tough assignment in this game unless they find somewhere else to hide him. So really excited to watch that one. Next game on the lineup, the San Antonio Spurs visit the Memphis Grizzlies. Grizzlies laying three and a half at home, total at 222. Munaf, where are you going with this game where it feels like everyone – is kind of tacitly assuming Memphis gets this done, but let's see if we have any any Spurs backers. Munaf, where are you going with this game? Yeah, I was quickly just looking at what, you know, these two teams matched up three times this season. It was really early on in the season, and they played in that first game of the season where uh, San Antonio got the victory 131-119. Then they got together in on January 30th and then February 1st, and that's kind of back-to-back miniseries, and Memphis blew them out in both of those games, 129-112. 133, 102 in that second game. So um, I think the concern for me for San Antonio is going to be that their defense has been absolutely horrific as they kind of close down the season. Over their last 10 games, they were all the way down to number 28. And over their last five games, they were down to number 29. So the question mark for me is going to be, number one, are Spurs going to be better on on the defense side of the basketball? And... Number two is going to be, is Memphis going to be able to knock down their, their three-point shots and make it a very difficult game for the San Antonio Spurs? Um, we take a look at some of the final scores in those games. Memphis scored 119, 129, and 133 in those three games. So it seems like this the Memphis Grizzlies team is a really bad matchup for the San Antonio Spurs for whatever reason. Um if I did have to lean, I would probably take the Memphis Grizzlies here, but I kind of do like the over in this game a lot better because defense is something that travels, right? And if it's if it's a bad defense, it's not gonna it's not gonna ha- it's not gonna be fixed overnight. And especially in the games prior to this season, we saw where the San Antonio Spurs struggle against this Memphis Grizzlies offense, and now towards the end of the season here, they're down in the bottom number 29 over the last five games, they're sandwiched between the Orlando magic and the Houston Rockets. So, you know, we've talked about how we wanted to fade the Orlando magic and the Houston Rockets defense and for the Spurs team to be all the way down with those two teams. That's kind of alarming to me. So I will take the Memphis Grizzlies tomorrow night. And I, I do like the over in this game um, uh, with the Spurs and Grizzlies. Dan, how about you? 
Yeah, I feel like this is just one of those days where me and Manoff agree on everything. And <laughs> I, a part of me is like, I, 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 I totally feel this, this zig and the zag here, man. But it's just hard to ignore how bad San Antonio's defense has been as of late. And I, I just don't get the warm and fuzzy that San Antonio is really confident that they're going to be able to, even if they win this game, that they'll be able to go on and actually have a decent run or a chance at a title. And for me, I think that this is going to be the, the, uh, the team that's going to be the odd man out of making the playoffs. I think, you know, DeMar DeRozan's not going to be back next year. This team has a lot of young talent that they can hopefully build around in the draft. They're not a popular free agency destination. I don't see what winning this game and going into the playoffs potentially does for them as a franchise. I saw Popovich over at, you know, D- Tim Duncan's enshrinement. You know, obviously that's a very important point of his career and, and a milestone for both of their, I mean, their careers pretty much ran parallel to each other. Um, and, and I just, I don't know, seeing him sit front row, it didn't look like he cared about what his next game was. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm mailing it in on the, I, I don't, I don't trust the San Antonio Spurs. I think that the, the, the Grizzlies are going to win this one. Now, is this going to be, this also could be Jedi mind tricks by Greg Popovich, man, just totally tank the end of the season, play like shit. And then all of a sudden you, you know, you scheme around your players. And then, cause I mean, he's a mastermind, right. And, and it's, it's proven by his championship. So I wouldn't be surprised if San Antonio maybe pulls this out, but I just think that the way that they've played as of late, it's not a good barom. It's not a good marker for me to trust in them to bet on them. So I'm going with the Grizzlies here. Yeah, I think I'm going with the Grizzlies too. I mean, there's the reason for them and the Spurs is really hard to get behind them. They've lost. I mean, they've, completely you know kind of bottomed out towards the end of this year they had that one big win against milwaukee but otherwise basically lost, you know lose four straight eight of ten they had a five game losing streak prior to that um so just a lot of l's in their recent form and, and like you said dan there's no real belief that this organization can you know take it into the playoffs so i think the grizzlies do have that which is you know really impressive and a credit to the culture they're building in, in memphis where i think they they feel like they could beat the warriors if they got us another shot at them you know they had re- really had a nice game plan and they were right there down three with three minutes to go they had a lead late in that game as well in the fourth quarter so um i will go with memphis as well i think for the spurs you know, worth pointing out, as Munaf knows, they're a much better road team than a home team this year. So they do go on the road where they've had success against the number. Um, so that could be a good trend. And also, I do really like this over. I think over 222 is probably my favorite play in this game. You know, looking forward to seeing the player props. The Spurs can struggle to guard a little bit. You know, campaign had a lot of success against them in the last game of the season. So maybe look at John Morant in this game, especially as he looks to kind of put the team on his back as they, as they, you know, face a do or die matchup here. So definitely stronger play on the over 222, And I will lean with Memphis on the three and a half. Anything else on this game that you guys have? No, I think I agree with Dan on what he said is that this game doesn't really do anything for the San Antonio Spurs, right? Yeah. I think they would rather get a, a higher draft pick and kind of re And this team is almost going to go into rebuilding mode because you said, DeMar DeRozan won't be back with his team next season. So I think that, you know, um, Pavlovich might be checked out this season. Who knows? He may just retire and, and you know, hand over the reins to Becky Hammonds or someone else. But um, I think the priority for, or at least for me, would be for getting this first team a higher draft pick. 
Yeah, they're kind of like Raptors West, right? Where they kind of have yeah. all the they have enough pieces to make a little push, but they're not a bona fide right. contender. So looking forward to seeing what they do in the offseason. They've obviously identified some nice young talent, but they do need more firepower. Let's go to the final game and obviously the premier game of the play-in slate. You know, just a, a star-studded matchup, and you couldn't have asked for more if you were the NBA when you came up with the idea for this play-in tournament. So the Golden State Warriors visit the Los Angeles Lakers. And we have some some various lines that we've seen opened seven, as I mentioned earlier in the show. Now I'm seeing it down to four and a half, uh, where I'm looking. Dan saw it as high as six and a half at another book. We won't give out any free sponsors, but definitely shop around if you, uh, y- you know, if you're looking to bet this game. But let's use the line that I have in front of me, which is four and a half here. Um, Golden State on the road, total at two nineteen and a half. Munaf, where are you going with this game here? Yeah, I mean, we take a look at, again, the series, season series between these two teams. And, you know, Warriors got the first one on January 18th by two points. But then the second two, the Lakers just took them to the woodshed and and, and just beat the shit out of them. They won that uh, second game by, I think it was by 26. And then they won the second, the third game by 31, I believe. So, um, I think this is going to be a game where obviously LeBron and and AD are going to come out and play well, just lock up that seven seventh uh, seven seed in the West. Um, the, the I think the biggest thing is we talked about earlier was that the interior presence of Golden State Warriors is non-existent, and I think that's where the Lakers will feast in this game with Anthony Davis, Andre Drummond, and LeBron James just getting to the basket at will. So I think the jump shooting in this of this game will not be heavily relied on for the Lakers so where they can get inside the paint and just score at will. Um, and it's going to take a godly effort from Seth Curry to I mean, he's probably going to need a 50 piece in this game to, for this uh, Warriors team to win. I did like it better at six and a half or seven when it opened, but uh, right now it being at four and a half, I will probably have to lean with the Lakers um, in this game. And I do also like the under in this game. There you go, Dan, how about you? Yeah, I <laughs> similar theme. Um, I, if I can get it at six and a half, I'm currently seeing that at points bet right now. That is the best odds you're going to get. I would love that for the Warriors at four and a half. Um, I, I, I got to trust the Lakers are going to take care of business here. Uh, just looking at their their favorites to win the title is sitting at plus 500, which actually isn't too bad, uh, ZB, if you're that confident in your defending champs there. But, you know, I, I just don't see that the Warriors will have enough despite what we've been talking about in the Lakers, whether it be the drama in the media or their lack of cohesion in terms of just the injuries that they've had to endure through. Ultimately, I think this is where, the, this is where you, you have LeBron James and AD. They're, the, they're going to just be too much for the Warriors um, despite them not play being on the court too much. And, you know, maybe LeBron being slightly hobbled by an ankle injury. This guy's in a, he's another human. He's just, he's not unlike any player we've ever seen, right? The durability of this guy. And um, you said it best, ZB, like this guy's when he gets in the playoff modes is different. He's a different animal. So I, I don't think that the Warriors have anything to check with the, with the Lakers here at four and a half points. Give me the Lakers. 
Yeah, I think obviously the line, the line variance here is worth looking into. If you can get a better number, I probably would lean the Warriors at, you know, a six and a half or a seven, like you guys both said. And maybe if it gets farther down, take the Lakers. I would probably make this right around where it is, you know, four, four and a half, five. So not too much on the side. I do think if you like, you know, with the Warriors, potentially maybe a first quarter Warriors bet. I mean, I think with the shorter road line, maybe they come out a little bit hot and then, you know, LeBron takes over as the game goes along. We've seen that game script a lot from LeBron type teams. So that would probably be maybe an angle on the side, not much on the total. I mean, I just, I'm really looking forward to seeing how the Lakers come out. I think with the Warriors, we kind of know they're kind of going balls to the wall, Steph Curry shooting. And then they have all these role players that are, you know, hot right now. You're Jordan Poole, you're Toscano Anderson, um, Kent Bazemore, a lot of guys playing well, but you know, if the Lakers come out in locked in very locked in, I think they are a superior team and could potentially, you know, bully the Warriors a little bit, like you mentioned, Dan. Um, but if they don't come out with that type of, you know, energy, you know, there's no reason why the Warriors can't come in and win this game outright. Money line sitting at plus 170 right now. So maybe if you like the Warriors, go for that. Um, but yeah, and then also the idea of betting this game live, uh, like Munaf mentioned, uh, maybe one of these teams gets a, a, a decent lead in the first quarter, or second quarter, definitely come back on the other on the other side with this do or die game. There's no, you know, sitting down and dying here. These teams are going to fight to the very end. So. That is really it for the play-in game. Anything else you guys have on that Lakers-Warrior game or any other games on the slate? I think last point for me on this Lakers and Warriors game is going to be who's going to be that second guy to step up scoring-wise for the Golden State Warriors to help Steph Curry out. Is it going to be Andrew Wiggins? Is it going to be Jordan Poole? I mean, Draymond Green is not a star, uh, a scorer. We know he can fill up the assist and rebounds boxes for for the Warriors, but – they're going to need somebody else to step up in this game if they if they want to have a chance of winning. And whether that's going to be Andrew Wiggins or uh, Jordan Poole or somebody else for this team, they're really going to have to, you know, have someone combined for maybe two guys combined for anywhere from, you know, 30 to 35 points to, to kind of help out Steph Curry against this Lakers defense. Yep. Dan, anything else you want to throw out there? Yeah, I think this is really going to come down to, I love your 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 angle of getting in on the Warriors early on before you know potentially this you know they have time to readjust at halftime and and so forth. Uh, the Lakers have been defending the three point line very well. I think this is going to be the most important part of the Warriors' offense here. If they can get going early, I think that that gives them a shot. You know, let the Lakers get put their pace on the Lakers rather than the Lakers' slowed down defensive style wear them down um so if curry can get hot early that's their best bet and and also if, if you believe in the warriors i think that that's the best angle to go for is let steph get hot early then watch the lakers kind of readjust and and resituate themselves to ultimately position themselves to get a w um but yeah i just don't see much upside here with the warriors if kelly Oubre was playing i would say like this could probably this is definitely gonna be more competitive because there's another really extremely good wing defender and person that can score the ball. But I just can't, we've never seen Wiggins really in the playoffs. Right. So don't, that doesn't give me much confidence. So I, uh, I think the Lakers are, they're, they're, they're chomping at the bits right now to play the Warriors right now. I I think the quickly, sorry, Zach, um, the, when you watch the Warriors game and the Lakers game is that, as far as rotations, how they go in the first quarter of what we've seen, it might change in the in the in the playoffs. But LeBron usually checks out with about six minutes left in the first quarter, where we see Draymond Green and Steph Curry playing the entire first quarter. So that kind of goes really well right in with taking the Warriors in the first quarter. 
because your two best players are playing that entire first first quarter versus LeBron checking out at the six minute mark and then Anthony Davis maybe checking out maybe with two minutes left and LeBron coming back in where Warriors may be able to create that separation as far as the first quarter goes. So I really like that first quarter uh, bet for the Warriors to, tomorrow night. Yeah, there we go. We will have that on our Slack channel. Uh, we'll, we'll be talking about all these lines. So please join us in the conversation. SG.PN slash Slack. Munaf, I know you'll have an article going up on sportsgamblingpodcast.com with your yep. plays for with your plays for these games. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will have shows all week, I believe. Are we going every day this week, guys? I believe so. I think tomorrow we said we would do Eastern Conference tomorrow night. And then I know yep. uh, Scott's going to join us on Wednesday for the Western Conference preview. We can go and just go through the series that are already confirmed. And then I think by Wednesday we'll know um, who's or we may even, yeah, by Wednesday, we'll know who's playing who. So definitely uh, check us out every day this week, man. It's playoff time. It's, it's, it's go time. Yeah, it's go time. And, and there's no doubt. We'll have tons of content all yeah. through playoffs. Same, we'll have the daily shows breaking down uh, lines. And with all these games on national TV, maybe we can even, you know, get these out earlier to you guys for our plays and all the games. And we'll also be in the Slack channel. Remember, that's sg.pn slash Slack. Dan, where can the people find you on Twitter? Anything else you want to plug for the people? For sure. Just hit me up at, at, at Dan Titus, D-A-N-T-I-T-U-S. I'll be here all week talking hoops, so excited for it. Also look out for the fantasy football content we have coming out of the SGPN network. It's going to be great. Uh, we got a great crew here. We're going to be giving you a lot of insightful, analytical analysis and how to navigate your your. Devi team, your dynasty, or your redraft team. So a lot of exciting stuff coming out of that out of that crew as well. There we go. Looking forward to that. Love fantasy football. Moonoff, where are going to people find you on Twitter and anything else you want to plug? Yeah, just make sure to check out our MLB Gambling Podcast. I know what basketball is kind of winding down here, and you know we're going to need some things to bet on uh, during the summer. So definitely check out the MLB Gambling Podcast. We dropped a new episode this morning. Uh, with myself and our friend across the pond in Newcastle with Malcolm. Um, so please make sure to check out that uh, podcast. And you can find me on Twitter at SportsNerd824. I will be dropping our, our my playoff plays, at least on my Twitter account, whether it's player props or sides or totals, whatever it might be. So definitely check me out there. Yeah, and you can find me on Twitter at NBA Zach B. Please, as Dan mentioned, check out all the podcasts on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Uh, also, all of our content on sportsgamblingpodcast.com. And again, best place to interact with us or to interact with other people that are part of DeGen Nation is uh, the Sports Gambling Podcast Slack, which is sg.pn slash Slack. Please subscribe, rate, and review to this show. Almost went two hours here. A lot of fun, and we will have more content all week. Um, so looking forward to seeing you guys. Have a good one, everyone, and let it ride with these playing bets. Later, y'all. Basketball. Get it, get it, get it.